Welcome to Grace Story Podcast. We're here to connect you with education, resources, and community that equip you for the journey of restoration. My name's Nate Davison, and I am your host here at Grace Story Podcast. I'm so glad that you've joined us for yet another episode. This one with somebody, a guest I know you're going to recognize. That's the president and founder of Grace Story Ministries, Amber Jones. Amber, how you doing? Nate, it is so fun to be able to do this interview in person together. Oh, I know. Usually we're doing something online um, and, and trying to make the audio work, which I, I think it works out pretty well. But we're actually in, what is this, Anderson, Indiana? Yeah. Um, a series of events, uh, and we're going to talk about it a little bit. Um, our grandfather passed away. Uh, just a couple days ago. And so we're both in town at the same time uh, for that event. And we're like, hey, you know, why not record in person? <laughs> why not throw in a, a, a great story podcast recording? That's right. Always love being able to um, have a conversation and knowing that um, we're welcoming in our community into the life that we're living now. So, yeah. Uh, and it, it really is. It's, uh, you know, we're both grieving that loss, but we were talking about this before the episode. Um, and me, some of what we've done with the podcast has prepared me for this weekend's events with the the loss of a loved one. We have episodes with Ryan Waters on grief. Uh, we have episodes, yeah. Tom Sproles was our, our last episode. Yeah, uh, actually I listened to that episode as I was coming down, um, to be able to help in some of his last days. I had the privilege of coming over and you were there for a little bit of that too, while he was in hospice and that was the podcast I'd saved to listen for my next trip and well-timed. Just a beautiful episode and so hopeful. Well, and, and I feel like I've already said, um, I don't know if adequate's the right word, um, but I, I, it is an adequate goodbye because I got to, you know, serve uh, yeah. my, my grandpa at bedside in my professional capacity as a nurse. Right. Um, and make sure he was comfortable, make sure he had all he needed for the time that I was there. Um, and then also tell him all the things that I wanted to tell him uh, so that he has those in his brain. Um, you know, and, and when I was walking away from the bedside uh, to head home, I, I, I said to him, I'm not going to say goodbye, but I'm going to say I'll see you, I'll see you later. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> because frankly, his last words as I'm sitting there uh, and you know this, I'm sitting there at bedside and I'm telling him all the things, you know, Grandpa, thank you for being a consistent example of what it's like to be Christ-like. Thank you, Grandpa, for always being the person in my life. This, that, and he he looks at me and says, uh, among some other things, I'm not dead yet. <laughs> <laughs> and that's so, Grandpa, because he was such a quiet, wise man you know who would so much rather sit in his boat fishing with no sound on the lake and uh live life to the absolute fullest and he tried to do that and and in independent ways as much as he could right up until the very end and so yeah he would try to remind you the adventure's not over yet son well, and, and we talked in the, the episode with Tom Sproles on, on lessons on life from an undertaker about, you know, living quietly, uh, studying to live quietly, working with your hands. And man, if that wasn't just grandpa. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and I did share with grandpa, one of my, my best memories with him was, um, staying with grandma and grandpa Rains up in Canada for a summer. It was the summer. My mom was trying to pass her, uh, boards for nursing school. Yeah. And of course, you know, having a, you know, a couple, I don't know what we were like eight and nine or something like you that. Running like around. Five. Maybe that. I don't, yeah, I don't know. But I little. remember the summer vividly. Um, we did a lot of dangerous stuff. 
Uh, we went to a powwow for for Indians uh, on an Indian reservation. It was amazing, and I was dancing. Yeah, there were missionaries there for yeah. days. Um, we swung from the tops of treetops off of ropes into creeks. And I remember one time my my grandpa was teaching me, I guess at the age of five or six, how to swing a full size axe and split wood. And I just remember my grandma. And if you know my grandma Rains, Mary Rains, her coming outside looking like one of those Richard. <laughs> looking like a, a one of those balloon blow up things yes. at, at, a, at a car sales event and just like, no, Richard, Richard. Yeah, just running out like he's gonna chop a foot off. And of course grandpa's just like, Oh, Mary, he's fine. He's fine. It, and we'll take care of that if that happens. <laughs> oh, they you know, I think that that's what is so beautiful. They spent a lifetime of ministry together, mm-hmm. serving and pioneering, and and the ways they complemented one another. Him and his quiet steadiness, her and her, her just go get it. Don't know a stranger. Energy. Yeah. Energy. yeah, she was so passionate about serving Jesus mm-hmm. to the fullest, and he was too, just in his own way. And being able to be a part of seeing that relationship and experiencing that, he was he was definitely one of my spiritual heroes. Yeah, when you talk about heritage, when you talk about legacy, that's that's what my mind goes to. Um, so uh, now, as people are listening to this, I'm sure they're like, "What? I thought I clicked on one called Raising Hell." Um, <laughs> and you're talking about spiritual heroes yeah, and legacies. Like, yes, grand, your grandpa's amazing, but what's with the title? And Amber, you <laughs> and now they're probably wondering. So, is this a parenting episode about raising <laughs> hell? Like, how many? You know, you were in trees. Uh, you probably, I know, Nate, you did raise a little of that. I did. I may have gotten some corporal punishment on that trip as well. So that's the thing. Like, Grandpa, he was he was quiet, but he was firm. Like, you knew you didn't cross If Grandpa area. spanked you, though, you were bad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it happened. Uh, yes, I, yeah. But enough about that. I'm going to ask you, because you're the one that came up with, with this title, um, and, and I wholeheartedly agreed with it, but Raising Hell. Why, why? Just Why? Yeah, well, so much more than just shock and awe. I know that as as I've talked to um, members of our Grace Story community over the last couple of years since Grace Story began, and time after time after time, we hear back about um, the connection that people have with my story of um, childhood trauma, of but especially within the body of Christ. So within church families where on the outside, it kind of looks like everybody has it pulled together. You're a good little Christian family and behind closed doors, things are falling apart. And as I was trying to frame how to best share um, some of the aspects of, of what I have found people relate to most in my story, I realized um, there is a common denominator. And that is when we when we as parents or as authority figures take our teaching of who God is and the story of the gospel, and when we raise the importance of hell over the importance of grace, then, then we're setting ourselves up for some, um, some deep spiritual trauma that can happen because we're serving God out of fear instead of out of um, that relationship and that, that place of um, yes, we are to fear God, but in, that's in a place of this reverence of God, not this fear as in, I am scared. I know I'm going to disappoint him. I know he um, is letting me in heaven on technicality because I have checked all the boxes 
that my church has laid out for me. Well, yeah. And just before you said the word fear, I was going to interject with, cause you know, I grew up in the same house, the same uh, yeah. type of, of environment. And it's more of a fear-based thing of um, almost like a contract in a way of like, yeah. okay, to avoid hell, because that's what's coming for all of us. We're just all started going to hell. Um, th- the only way out of hell is to sign a contract um, and I will follow these rules, uh, worship on Sunday, tithe 10%. I got that. That's fine. I can do all these things, um, and serve Jesus through this contract. And as long as I do that and don't miss anything, which I'm probably going to, um, you take that down and, and water it down. There's zero relationship there right. without that contract. It's all fear-based. Well, because it becomes overwhelming. If, if you must follow X, Y, Z in order to inherit the kingdom of God, instead of coming to the kingdom of God as a child and believing in faith that what Christ did um, on the cross and accepting that repentance of your sin, you know, the basic gospel message, if we add to the gospel message, what we're doing is beginning to add on those, what I call rubble, those things that that stack around us. And and this always makes me think of my um, my six-year-old Vivi who, who just piles in to bed with stuffed animals that you can hardly find her as you just like kind of weave into the stuffed animals and the 17 lovies and the 400 books. And, and by the time you get to her, you're like, oh, wow, you are in here. Good. Okay. I hope you can breathe. <laughs> but sometimes in a spiritually dysfunctional home, that can happen with um, unfortunate things. So not the lovies and not the, the cuddly things. And when we are given rubble after rubble, this rule that, um, that hinges on me going to heaven or hell, when I'm handed this mistruth about how God sees me, when I'm told that the only way to um, please God is this, this, and this, when it is taken any farther than um, Jesus sees me for me, accepts me, and wants to pick me up out of the, the pit that I am in as we are cursed fallen men, mm-hmm. um, this, this, these are the things that then make it difficult to see Jesus and feel Jesus and live in relationship with him because we're scared. What if we miss something? What if we need to add something more in here? Does that make us holier? Does that then, if I add more to it, if I keep adding, does that make me better then? So does that give me a better chance? Because what if I really keep struggling here, but I really am doing good over here? Does that balance it then? Does that make it so that I, I get brownie points for heaven? on that kind of scale of when we strip the scale away, when we strip the rubble away and we just present the gospel as it is the, this loving heavenly father, the Holy spirit who fills us with our conscience and our, his presence and his wisdom and speaking and interpreting our, our sometimes, unintelligible prayers to God and Jesus who died for us. When we take the Trinity as a whole and we look at it and and realize the gift that we've been given as Jesus came to die on the cross, he died for us. He bore that 
And then he raised again. And the very simple message of the gospel, without adding to or taking away, this is what we accept or we reject. I, before we go too much further, I want to make sure, because I think there's might be some that would listen in and be like, you know, if they're listening in for any other reason than gleaning from this, if it's from a critical point of view, yeah. I want you to know that we are not in any way saying that hell is not real. Right. Uh, our our uh, core val- one of our core values is the inerrancy of scripture. Correct. And it's a very real scriptural thing that hell is real. Um, what we're saying is that when I uh, accept Christ and I repent of my sins, and I, my identity is then found in Christ and what he did for me. Uh, it's no longer something that I have to fear. That's called condemnation. I, I That's very scriptural. So now I'm not yeah. scared of hell. Um, so I, I want to make sure that we put that straight out there, uh, right. that biblical concept. We very much believe in it. And that's why we have a passion for people yeah. that fear that because it's I, I can't imagine living yeah, like you, you're you're going to hell any moment, even though you have confessed your sins and have a relationship with Christ. Yeah, and see, I I can imagine that because I lived that um, when I started my processing. Oh goodness, it's been almost six years ago. Um, I lived out of a place of knowing I was going to serve Jesus forever. I was going to follow God, but I also felt the frown of Jesus as I lived my life. I would teach women's um, women's ministry in various capacities and, and I would beg and plead with them to have that intimate relationship with God because he wanted them and he wanted that time with them. And I started realizing it was coming from a place of desperation on my part. You get this, God wants you, but I didn't believe it for me. I, I had been raised with this understanding that um, I could get into heaven if I was if I was good enough because of a technicality. But when I got there, I was going to probably see a, a look of disappointment on Jesus's face that he was going to have to let me in. Like a you're here, but just barely. Yeah, and just go ahead and go over to your cabin over there, and if you don't mind, just waiting out eternity. But that's so okay. And, and we know, you know, now that that is not actuality. Like you're, it's more right. the prodigal son where you took one step and you're, you're worn out from, you know, a, a life of not being with Christ, but you took that one step towards him and he runs towards you. Yeah. Um, he's been, he's literally running to wrap you up in his arms. And you've mentioned before too, that physical touch aspect yeah. of being in Christ's arms or being, uh, you know, one of the little children that come unto him where literally, can you imagine being one of those kids back in biblical times that actually got to step up and sit on Jesus's lap? Oh, I know. And if you think about the place that children had in that society at the time, it brings it even farther in its significance. They were truly the don't be seen, you know, don't be seen, don't be heard kind of society when it came to children. And so for him to single them out and say, come, come up here. And I always like to think, um, you know, there, there's some grandfatherly kind of figures in our life. And gran- actually, Grandpa Rains was one of them, where you can just picture him kind of taking your hand and pulling you up and maybe counting your ribs. One that's, that's the exact thing. He always counted. Our, you had to hold your arm up as yes. long as you could. I do that to my kids now. And I told Grandpa, 
uh, just as last week. Hey, that's one of my best memories too. Yeah. You count my ribs and now I do that with Holly and he, he smiled. So Yeah, it's that that loving touch. And sometimes when we hear God wants to pull you up and, and hold you close, for some of us that can feel icky. Mm-hmm. And and just like mm, that's that's just wrong. I just I can't even picture that. That's too far out of my comfort zone, my reality. Well let's okay, let's dig deeper right there before we go further because for some it's going to make sense what you're saying like yeah that's icky and for some it's like what that's that's my abba father that's that's my father i i love going to my father i can't understand that and i think for both even the ones that are like yes that is a, a weird feeling yeah they may not actually understand why they feel that way yeah <laughs> as much as the person who's saying abba father closer he i i can go to him anytime he's I need my him. comfort he's my yeah. rock he's my I covering can, yeah. literally i'm clo- the apple of his eye i'm i'm who he loves both of those may not understand uh although the one is experienced one hasn't can you try to dig deeper onto that into that as to why you in your experience yeah. felt that way yeah, and I think it goes back to the feeling of that waiting for the other shoe to drop. And when you have that relationship, when um, some of what you've gotten from, whether it was a father or a pastor or another spiritual authority figure, the person who is modeling God for you and teaching you who God is, um, because that has to be established for you. We don't. We come with an innate, very... Um, that the core of us is always reaching out towards God. We're looking, we're searching for that relationship. So we are born with that. But we, because of our environment, we are given that we're shaped in, in the view we have of him. And so um, that spiritual authority figure has a lot to do with that. Now, if you kind of grow up in a place where hugs aren't common, physical touch isn't common, or negative physical touch Mm -hmm. is the name of the game, Um, then you're already going to kind of have that wall up to that language and and to that idea. So is is it like a safety thing then? Or I I guess dig even deeper, like what are you feeling emotionally or physically as you prior to uh, working through some of this are trying to draw close to God because you know, you grow up hearing draw close to me. I'll draw close to you. We all know those scriptures and you, you, you have devotions. So if you're feeling that way, just walk us through as you're trying to draw close to God, what are you feeling unsafe, scared, yeah, a little, I would say some of all of that because it's it doesn't have to be just one thing. And if you if you overlay that on a human relationship in the way you would see someone if you thought they were angry and um, judging you and really didn't like you. I mean, some of us grew up with an understanding that maybe even though it's false, but you kind of think, well, Jesus doesn't like me. That doesn't feel like I'm going to crawl up on his lap. I mean, now you're at, at like the Santa Claus level of like, just get this picture and get me off his lap, right? <laughs> like I want I want what he has to offer because just in case Santa Claus is real, I'm going to give him my list and I'm going to stay here long enough to do that. But I don't want to be here. I don't feel comfortable about this. He's creepy. 
And there's a little bit of the Santa Jesus. Now, that is not meant to alienate anyone. Stick with me here. We just got canceled. Uh. Some people just clicked it off. But there is this kind of this unhealthy view of God in the same way where it's, I I really know you're real, or at least I'm pretty sure. And just in case you are, I'm going to keep hanging out here. Well, I, at least my parents told me you were real. My parents told you, yeah. And and that there's this really bad place that you're going to send me if I don't please you. Here's my list. I'm going to go back over here and obey now. And we just kind of hold him at arm's length. But then we wonder why we look around us and we see everybody else seems to be connecting with him Mm-hmm. And having these intimate conversations with God and hearing from God and feeling his his presence in these powerful, unique ways. And why can't we? And yet it's it, is it really if you break it down to that and where we're saying, why why can't I, you know, where are you, God? Where were you in this mess? Where I I couldn't, I can't feel you. What are we really asking? What are we really asking there? Well, listening to you talk, and, and this is me being vulnerable, because uh, this is something I've worked through with a, a professional counselor. And as you, and it's not like you come in like, uh, all right, listen, what I want to work on is uh, my lack of intimacy with God. Like you don't, you don't walk in like no, you may, and that's great. You you already know, and if you know that, you already know you need a counselor. But like walking in, that's something that comes out. I think it may have been our like third session. And we're sitting there and we just start talking about, we'd have been talking about identity in Christ and, and who we are. And it starts, you know, he just asked me like, well, what does your worship look like? I'm like, I worship, you know, <laughs> I, I worship in, in church. And he's like, yeah, but what, what does that look like for you? And we, we dug into it and it, it came down to, I can recognize the moving of the Holy Spirit and the yeah. presence of God in a service. I find myself looking around like, smiling and you know that this is happening i recognize the presence of god mm-hmm. but i'm not lost in it uh and this is speaking at that time because since then there has been growth and i i am closer to god when it comes to those worship times yeah um, which that's worth the, yeah. the time and counseling alone yeah uh, but in that moment saying i recognize what's happening around me i recognize people worshiping i recognize people yeah. getting lost in and closing their eyes and that's the relationship instead of me just saying this is a moment of corporate worship of which i have uh, agreed to uh, partake in yeah. hereby on page 3 of when i got saved back to the contract of the fourth time uh, at which I, you know, like you know it's every like, summer at family camp like why not let down yeah. that guard but it's also who god is to me right is he somebody that i'm going to that i have a personal relationship and when i feel him near i don't care who's around me i he he's here right and I love him. Yeah. And oh, let's worship. And then you just, it doesn't matter who's around you. Right. Now, I'm not saying I get lost in some because sort of. Because it's real. Yes, exactly. Because it's real. Um, some of us have grown up in environments that have, um, that have had a lot of display. And at times, we've wondered if that is real. And other times, we have known that it is real. And that comes back to, um, in, in scripture, it talks about ministering to one another and our spirits being connected through that. And we can tell when the Holy Spirit is moving 
Um, and if someone is, and if someone is is acting out of the Holy Spirit connecting with them, and they just are overflowing to the place where they just can't contain it, or if it's a manufactured, this is what we do when we worship, and so now I'm going to do this display. Whatever that is, I, don't, I actually don't want to give specifics because I, you know, <laughs> that in itself could sure. be triggering to some people in our audience. But um, the reality, the realness, the realness of relationship, and understanding that um, sometimes when I'm out on our, my farm, I I really went from a place of not not praying much after high school for myself. I would pray for other people. I would say that I would pray for them. I was a little confused about it. I wasn't sure how to do it right. How do you best, you know, these, thou's, you, I don't know. But moving through that, starting with the question, um, and this is what I was mentioning just a little bit ago, starting the question, who are you really? And then just out of a place of brokenness, asking God, how, how do I connect with who you are? Who is your character? What do you expect of me? I, I want to please you. Um, and so that place of innocence, and, and again, scripture says, as a child, as a child comes to me. And getting back to that place of sincerity and innocence and saying, I believe it's real. I believe heaven is real. I believe hell is real. And I believe you are real. And, and what does this look like for our relationship and who I am in you and all these things that people say and all the spiritual disciplines that I'm supposed, I am, they, they are a part of the Christian walk, but that have become a checklist instead of an act of worship, fasting, prayer, church attendance, worshiping together in the body of Christ. And what, no matter what these little, these aspects, these spiritual disciplines are, those are meant to help us grow in our relationship. Right not be the thing that saves us. And so um, I just started, you know, inviting Jesus to spend the day with me. And at first it feels a little weird, but I do, back to grandma and grandpa, they were my model for prayer for a while. And man, if you spent very much time with them at all, when they were just sprying with it, they, they would pick up in conversation and prayer right where they left off. I mean, grandma, she would start praying and she could cry. And like, if she had left off crying, she was back to tears, like right immediately because she was right there with God. It was a real conversation. It wasn't just, am I praying the right formula to get through this time and say, I did it. He was with them. And so there have been times out back on our 40 acre farm there in central Michigan where Darren and I will, will be talking about something that's, that's, distressing us whether it's finances or something that we're working through with one of our kids or a relationship and as we're walking along you know we've got this amazing laneway and go let the cows out and as we're walking along talking we'll just we'll just invite him into the conversation and as we're talking there will be times where we'll say well lord you're part of this conversation you've heard our concerns you know what we've already said and lord we need direction here. And can you just, can you speak with us? Can you walk with us? And that is, that is not unbiblical. If you look at Jesus, when he came back and he was walking on that road with the two that didn't even know him at the time. And then, then their eyes were opened and you just think he walks with us like that. 
but we have to foster that relationship. And I think the question so many of us, at least in, in our Grace Story community that, that I've spoken with is, but how? How do we get there? I want that. I would love to invite Jesus into my day, but I'm not sure he even wants to spend time with me because either I'm flooded with dishes, babies, and laundry, or I'm flooded with all the to-dos I have at work. I have this deadline. I have that deadline. I've got to finish this class. I have, you know, and between talking to, um, you know, my husband on this and, and then trying to not fight and get to bed and get enough sleep so I can run this rat race again, where does he fit? Well, as I listen to you, one thing I, I do think is, is when we accept Christ into our lives, the Holy Spirit dwells within us. Yeah. Um, that's very biblical as well. So, you know, when we have that relationship with Christ, uh, he's not just beside us or, or, you know, walking alongside, he is within us. He's within us. Um, and he understands us more than, than, than we even understand ourselves. But I think for, for the listener, because if I'm listening to you, I've heard kind of where you were and then I hear where you are and you alluded to it a little bit. That's great. Except how do I do that? Right. And so I want to, I want you to take us to, uh, kind of how you got there uh what was it just you one day snapped a finger was it a miracle like you know something like i stopped smoking in the day it was just yeah what? don't we wish oh there was very little work involved right because that would that would work well for me yeah well that is what i prayed for i will tell you i begged god and just like we hear paul pray take this thorn from me you know i i begged with sincerity that god would help me to to know what was the magic thing the the blessed thing that would suddenly make that relationship happen and i would do it i would have i used to pray that as a teenager i grew up on a bible college campus and i would hear all the disciplines that that would help you grow closer to god whether it was fasting um singing the hymns um i would skip our lunch break and go to the chapel and pray and sing hymns and i felt so silly doing it but i was willing I was going to do anything it took. Um, and I never felt that closeness that I was begging for. God didn't change my circumstances that I was begging for. And I, I couldn't understand it because I thought, surely this would be within his will. God said, pray, or people would say, pray within God's will. And, and it, you know, just, just ask in faith, believe in it, it'll be done. And it wasn't, it wasn't done. I still went home and was walking in the door to the same same dysfunction and the same relationships that were there when I had left. And, um, and so I didn't know how, how this was to work. As I got older, there was a situation that came to mind. And um, this, is, this is one of the things that I, I like to encourage people with because I think it helps us understand that God is with us in our mess and he is growing us to himself, but it just doesn't feel like it sometimes. And we, and that's when we kind of get bogged down with, well, where are you, God? So um, as a kid growing up and I was doing all that begging in about fourth grade, we, like I said, grew up on a Bible college campus and there was a missions conference that was happening. And a missionary, um, native missionary from Ukraine came over. And as I was going through the cafeteria one day, he stopped me and in his thick Ukrainian accent said, God has, has told me to give this to you. 
he handed me a little kind of trinket wooden bowl that they would give as souvenirs. And he said, I, I want you to know God also said you will come and work with my people one day. Well, as a fourth grader, <laughs> I immediately thought, oh, shoot. I don't even have a passport yet. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, this is this is what they, they I'm going to be a missionary. And I don't know if I want to be a missionary, but I guess this is it, you know. And so yeah, if God <laughs> said it, then I have to do it. I have to do it. I must be going. So I'm thinking very literally, right? Fast forward, that that bowl kind of hung around my my bedside table and then my mantle and then a box under my bed. And I've looked for it recently on the pharmacy if I kept it. And I, I don't know that I did. But um, as Darren and I um, began doing some of our grass-fed farming and trying to see how God might use that to steward um, some wealth for his kingdom, then we found a way to partner with some missionaries that, that work out of Slovakia. And... Um, so Ed and Heather Durham that that have a girls' orphan transition home. So as the girls age out of the system, the orphanage system at 18, they're handed a certain sum of money and said, here you go, good luck, go live. And a lot of those those girls can end up in trafficking and other some, um, some pretty bad situations. And so they have a home there in Slovakia for the girls. We raise beef on our farm, and they own it, so we raise it, and then the, the funds from that go to support that home. And so we were getting ready to go over and see the home and um, meet some of the girls. And God brought that wooden bowl back to mind. And just out of curiosity, I was like, hmm, I wonder how close that is. I wonder if this has to do anything. This is this is interesting. I did a little checking in. Ed and Heather would have worked with that, that man that had talked to me in the fourth grade at the time that he had met me. So they they met him. They would have worked with him. The girl, the lady who ran the girl's home would have been one of his students from the college where he worked. And where we were going in Slovakia was was just, you know, a very short drive to um, to the college where he worked. So God just reminded me in that moment, back there in fourth grade, I planted this moment of grace so that later when you were in a safe place, when you were flourishing, when you were doing the work, when you were ready, you could now be ready to to hear me and see me. And and in the process of that, it was work. So in wondering, you know, what is the magic formula that gets you from I don't feel God to I feel God? There isn't a magic formula. But what it does look like is making the decision to unpack that rubble piece by piece, taking a look at it, is this, um, and, and some of that is done just with God and scripture. Some of that is done with a licensed professional counselor. And um, going back to some of those situations that that heaped that on in ways that was really unhealthy and abusive. I think though, it's important to remember, it, though it's a lot of work, uh, I'm reminded of the scripture in Romans chapter eight, verse 11, that says the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. It is yeah. in you. And, you know, we, we speak about, you know, God wants you to be close to him. And if you're having trouble, if there's obstacles, if there's roadblocks between you and him, the same power that literally raised Christ from the dead is within you right. to empower you to draw close to Christ. Yeah. 
Um, and so let's let's look at for you. You talk about professional counseling. You talk about uh, I'm sure journaling was in there because that's a passion of yours. <laughs> right. But instead instead of just staying on the surface of that, with the time we have left, uh, maybe take us through one thing. Uh, either with your counselor or or a process your counselor had for you that was particularly uh, helpful in removing those obstacles so that you could have a better, more abundant life and a closer relationship with Christ? Yeah. Um, one of the processes that we used um, in particular, so like I said, there's there was a lot of time done outside of the counseling room where I had to just kind of relearn how to do devotions and how some of those things. So those are things, yes, in journaling, you know, I love it. <laughs> but one of the processes inside the counseling room and Ryan has alluded to this in different counselors that have been on the podcast earlier, but EMDR and, um, and that is. So explain, you tell me what EMDR actually stands for, because as some are listening, they're like, mm, yes, I've heard of this EMDR stuff. EMDR. I've, I've read on the, the the Facebooks about this, and it seems a little whimsical, a little ethereal. Um, and, you know, we're not supposed to believe in that Eastern technology, uh, traditional medicine stuff. Uh, I mean, it, it can yeah. sound like that. Um, well, and I've been asked, like, is it hypnosis? And, right. and it, yeah. it's scary. And I think anytime there's something that works at this level and is unknown, like if you don't really understand how it works, it can feel a little scary. But so, and, and, and this isn't something that like, no. it, it, I would assume you're not like, you know, over at your best friend's house, like let's do some AMDR. No, like um, as high school kids when we were like, Hey, let's all practice fainting and, you know, try to faint. And no, this is not like something you just do on girls weekend where you're like, Hey, let's all do this. So within the context and the safe relationship right. of a professional, what is EMDR? So EMDR stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. So if that doesn't already start you moving in the idea that this is like some big scary thing, that's a lot of big words. Like those are long and I don't know how to spell all of them. Well, but you've experienced this. So you're, but, you're talking about this from the point of someone who yes. has gotten this type of help through this process from a professional. So what was your experience like with it and what is it? Yes. So... What I like to tell people is a little bit of how the 101 version that my counselor explained it to me. And I know we'll do, um, we'll probably dig into this in the future with with someone like Ryan who can give you the ins and outs um, from the counselor's perspective, the, you know, the more clinical side of explanation. But um, what I like to explain is... Um, my counselor, Paula, puts it, says it's like this. When you, when you experience trauma, it's like a puzzle that gets dropped and you have pieces that are a little bit of everywhere. And your brain is trying to file those, those pieces into where they are supposed to go. Um, and at night, one of the things that you do is you go into REM sleep. And that is having to do with your eye movement. And it's the deepness of sleep that you go into and, and you process through your day and you get things filed and um, store your memories where they're supposed to be and all that good stuff. Also your body, rejuvenates itself during that time and you're a nurse so you could speak into that kind sure. of yeah. side of it better but it's really important that you go into REM sleep because it helps do your body do what it's supposed to do mm -hmm. all right um what though can happen 
is when you're in a state of trauma, you may not be able, your brain may just still be scrambling to get things just put where they need to be, just, just trying to file stuff. And it doesn't all get stored together in a neat little puzzle. Um, it just kind of is scattered. So later when you're going back through with your counselor, you can do this EMDR to pick up a puzzle piece, look at it, and put it where it needs to go. Um, that is such a layman's way. But really what it looks like and feels like is this. You, um, you can use a light bar. You can use, so it just looks like, you know, your digital alarm clock and it has those lights um, and it just goes back and forth. You're connecting this one side to the other side of your brain. You're having them talk to each other again. The different hemispheres. That's right, from left to right. Um, you can do this through touch. You can do it through sound. I know a lot of times I have um, posted recommendations for the EMDR uh, anxiety relief app, and you can get that for your phone, and you can hear a ding from left to right. And and all you're doing is kind of resetting, regrounding your brain, and so you can get out of those stuck thoughts and those when you're when you're doing it with the app. In counseling, it would look like my counselor starting me with something like um, intense. This is one that I use because it's it's kind of vague and other people can identify with it, but uh, crazy scared of being alone in the dark. And we live on a 40-acre farm in the middle of nowhere, so dark is a part of our life. So I was crazy scared of being in the dark, and um, what do I do about this? This is definitely inhibiting my my quality of light, quality of life. So let's get some help on it. So she says, well, okay, so so how are you feeling on, you know, scale of one to 10? Where do you feel on that? Get that, that baseline started. Then I would um, just settle in, relax in a chair. I'm not meditating. I'm not <laughs> emptying my brain, nothing you like don't that. Float or- I'm not floating. Um, I don't even swim well, so no. Um, so that light bar happens to, to start and you just keep your head still and you just allow your eyes to follow the light from one side to the other. So you're focusing. You're focusing. You're focusing your brain. And, um, and as you do that, you're then able to, um, your brain is able to pick up some of those pieces and, and you're able to look at them. And as I went through that process, different, different things would come up and I'd say, wow, okay, this came up and we'd, we'd look at that and say, okay, well, you know, let's, let's keep, let's focus on that now for a little bit and see, and see where that goes. Um, and through that process, I mean, sometimes you get great big revelations and I've had those too for other things where I start, where I've had the, the almost physical effect of my body understanding I am not responsible for keeping my family safe and and being able to physically let that go and feeling that inside my body and that because the body keeps the score the body keeps the score little plug there yes exactly and so there are moments where you have that kind of big physical shift other times it's just this this kind of realization that okay that that's why that happened. This is how I can look at it. And you're able to kind of just tuck that away. It does not make the memory go away. Now, this is a misconception that some people have that when I am fully healed, when I have processed, I won't remember that. You won't remember it with the same intensity. And I've heard Ryan say that before. It doesn't make you um, an unfeeling person. It doesn't make that memory disappear. That is a part of you. 
Um, and that's not what we're trying to do is not make you scared of anything because that wouldn't be healthy either. But, but for me, I did that. I had that session. And of course, then I wanted to try it out, see if it worked. So um, I, I gathered the courage I could. I went to the back 40 of our property. We're putting in hay bales for cows. And I said, you know what, Darren, just leave me out here for a minute. You're going up to get another hay bale. It's the middle of winter, dead of night, like dark, 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 nothing. I mean, I don't even, I, I don't even remember stars, but then again, I, and I was looking for them. Um, I see the tractor light disappear and I realize I am alone in this field. I do know we have coyotes and um, I'm okay. And realizing that, okay, I have, I have found this place where, yeah, I still know that there are things that I sh- could fear. I also know that it, I don't have to be a slave to that irrational panic that I've experienced over this very thing in the past. Um, and then I just waited and I saw that tractor light come back up over the top of the hill and it was coming, you know, he's coming back and I realized I did this. And there's something that then you're able to start growing on that sense of empowerment. That's not, um, man, empowerment gets its own bad rap, but well, that's for another episode. <laughs> that sense of empowerment that says, okay, I did this and I can grow on this the next time and I can go a little longer and I can, I can try something different and, and know that, that, that you can just keep growing on it. Well, you, you, you've given a very, uh, a one-on-one level of this, of course. Yes. You've given your experience, uh, but you've given an example of something that works. And we could get into, uh, I mean, there are, there are truly things when you get into uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, repressed memories, sometimes your body shutting down, literally. Yes, disassociation. Catatonic yeah. states, disassociation. Uh, there's a reason why there are such a thing as counselors, licensed professionals, uh, psychiatrists um, who work through these things with people because the level of traumas out there um, are unfathomable. The the evil that people are capable of inflicting on other people um, and the effects of that, uh, our our brains just cannot fathom. But what you've given us example of is that healing is possible. Right. Right. Um, and it takes work, it takes time, it takes intention, and uh, sometimes it's uncomfortable where you uh, find yourself out in the back 40 uh, in the middle of the night in the dark, but also smiling like, ooh, yeah, I'm out here. I'm not freaking out. Yeah. Um, and, and even if I'm freaking out a little, I'm okay. And I think that's what we, we have to get to is understanding like we can be both a little scared and okay. Like we can get through this because now I know that, you know what, for the most part, I know what is around me out here in this backfield. And you can kind of talk yourself through it in a way that you wouldn't have been able to before. But it's it's afraid, but functional. Yeah. yeah. Uh, You're not dysfunctional now because all the pieces are there. They're put together. I love that. Um, And and if you guys uh, that are listening want more on EMDR or you want to talk to somebody about that, reach out to us at Grace Story Ministries. You can email Amber, Amber at GraceStoryMinistries.com. You can email uh, me, Nate, at GraceStoryMinistries.com. 
Uh, Ryan, you're starting to get the pattern here. <laughs> Ryan at GraceStoryMinistries.com. We make it real simple. Um, and, and also, if you have a story yeah. about how, you know, just like Amber's, you know, write that out. We, you can keep it anonymous. I'd love to share that. Yeah. Uh, more stories of people, even if we you know, take your name out of it, call yourself Ronald Reagan. I don't care. <laughs> um, uh, Elvis Presley, you know, yeah, I don't care what it is, but uh, email that to me. I'd love yeah. to read it on the show. Um, but yeah, th- this is something that can actually happen for people. It is happening for people. Healing is possible. Yeah. And it's, it's happening and it's happening within our grace story community absolutely. in ways that are just absolutely incredible and, um, encouraging to me and our team as we lead and we make these, these opportunities like conferences coming right up here in oh, just yeah. a few weeks, November 5th and 6th. Yes. Yeah. So, and it's not too late, get your ticket, but in opportunities like that. And when we are, I mean, we're, we're volunteer based. And so when we pour our time into making these resources available, um, we're doing it because we know there is hope possible and we know that people are ready and looking. And so we're just, we're here. Grace Story is here to connect you with those resources. And we say it all the time, but you know, when I started Grace Story in 2019, the idea was I had had a friend that had walked me through those three, three and a half years of just such darkness. And I didn't know where to start. I just knew that something was off and I'd ask God where, you know, who are you really? And I, and I wanted, I wanted to find him. I wanted him to find me. I wanted to connect with that. And, um, my, my mentor friend, Rebecca was, was able to just say, okay, here's, I think this intensive would be a good place to start. Here's a counselor that, um, that I think that would be good for you. And man, started with Kathy Sprinkle. She's one of our speakers at conference. And man, she's a little, she's a powerhouse. Oh, if you didn't hear her last year, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. She's coming back to talk about, um, this year she's talking about trust betrayal and what happens when someone we trust betrays that trust and how do we learn to trust again and so that's going to be a really special needed session um, on saturday morning but then moving through that process and and having that friend for the journey and when i got to the end i realized wow what a blessing it had been to have someone who was able to walk with me and as i asked god for um or how to how to do that? How do I how do I best share my story? How do I best help others who are in the same place that I was? And um, and I felt like he just I I knew he just gave me this this vision for Grace Story and and how we too can walk um, and be a friend for the journey for others who are are ready, searching, and ready for healing. Well, and if you're one of those people listening in that you're like, okay, yeah, I don't know if I'm ready for the blinking light. Um, but I, I, I do know that I need to at least just talk to somebody. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've been through counseling, still going through it. Amber obviously shares still her going story. Through it. Um, it's not something which I've shared before too. Like I'm getting in there like, uh, you say it's going to take six sessions. Well, I can make it in four. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just give me the homework. Like, it's not like that. Hashtag overachiever. If, if you're, that's part of the problem. <laughs> if you're wanting to start that, uh, something special with Grace Story, go over to Grace Story Ministries com go to that counselor referral button and that's actually it's not just putting you into an algorithm that's actually ryan yeah a licensed counselor behind the scenes looking at your area yeah and giving his personalized if you want a personalized shopper with experience <laughs> for your counselor yeah uh, go to graystoryministries.com 
Fill out that counselor referral form. It is, that's hard to say, counselor referral form. It's all free. It is all anonymous. It goes straight to Ryan and he'll look at it. And and he just did this for, for somebody, a listener down in Orlando, Florida. Yeah. Uh, who who said, hey, this is what I need. And, and Nate, in the last year, we have connected 14 of our friends in our Grace Story community. We have connected 14 people just in the last year directly with a counselor. Now, we've helped many more with resources and just being there to, as sure. a friend to talk to and, and some of that. But specifically starting their counseling journey, 14 people in the last year. Yeah. If you think it's hard to find a medical doctor, like you, you go to the ER and they're like, hey, Who's your primary care? Like, I don't know. I don't go to one. Like, yeah. it's it seems it's the same way with counselors. Like, I don't know where to start. Who do I trust? You really want me to walk into a room of somebody mm-hmm. I've never seen before and say, "Ah, uh, this is all the terrible trash that's <laughs> happened to me. I feel like a terrible human being." And I saw alone. your picture like, on a website, and yeah. I thought I could trust you. It had a whole bunch of initials after it, Elpisat or something. <laughs> like, yeah, you said you yeah. specialized in in trauma and horrible yeah. people, and I'm that person. Like, yeah, it, it's where do you start? Uh, well, start with a personal shopper right. with someone with the integrity, the compassion uh, that that is Ryan Waters, and we're so we're, we're happy to have him him on board. While you're over there, uh, Amber, you mentioned it. Conference is coming up, right? Uh, November fifth and sixth. Uh, so while you're over there, you can get signed up for conference through the end of October. You can save twenty five percent for to get that code. Um, you can you can go well. You can use a podcast twenty five. How about that podcast yeah. 25 um and before i have you talk a little bit about conference because i know you're excited about it today as of the recording of this today tuesday um is the last day on instagram to win the exclusive grace story hoodie which the the saying on the front of it go over to uh, grace story ministries on instagram or grace story podcast or my grace story um it says on there, it's okay to have Jesus and a therapist. And <laughs> it's perfect. Uh, so it, we're giving away a hoodie over there. There's a lot of things you have to do. Not a lot. There's a few things you have to do, uh, like and follow, tag friends. But That's really what the name of this <laughs> podcast needs to be. Is <laughs> like and tag a friend? <laughs> no, the name of that hoodie. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but you have an opportunity there to win a free hoodie. So go over and uh, you can get multiple entries. Tag as many people as you want. Uh, someone's got to win it. Might as well be you. Are we allowed to use the lottery thing? Uh, that's inappropriate on a on a ministry podcast. Right. Let's just that just gets that off. But back to conference. Um, what so a huge lineup of speakers: Anita Renfro, Kathy Sprinkle, all these people. That what's I can you narrow it down to the one thing you're excited about, or what are we'll give you the top ten things? No, top three, <laughs> top three things you're excited about for conference this year. I am never able to narrow it down because conference in itself is one of my favorite parts of every year. Oh, it's my favorite women's conference that I go to every year. (laughs) I love it. Out of all the women's conferences you attend. Out of all the women's (laughs) conferences I go to. Um, I love it. Some of my favorite parts, um, I know our worship this year is done by Caitlin Tyler. Yes. She's one of the teaching pastors there at Springdale Nazarene and where it's being held there in Cincinnati. Um, but when you get this many people, and we've talked about spiritual trauma in this episode, and when you get, um, I would say, 90% uh, or more of the people who come to conference have some sort of spiritual trauma. And when you're on purpose worshiping a God who you might still be scared of, 
when you are lifting your voice on purpose to a heavenly father that other people say is good and you haven't experienced that for yourself that you know of but you are bringing that intentional worship to him during those times during those sessions um and and sometimes that looks like still just staying in the room not necessarily singing along not necessarily standing up not necessarily clapping or moving along well you had to be fair for some people corporate worship and being in a church service is not something that they do in a functional way that's part of the trauma right uh, for many many reasons right right and it and it was it was part of mine for a long time um and that's yeah that's more story for another time but um but knowing that uh that that part of this of the various sessions when we sing together the holy spirit does come in a way that is so meaningful um because he does draw close to the brokenhearted and that is a promise that he's made that he will draw close to those that are broken and um and we experience that i also just love because i mean here's here's a bunch we hear the word like-minded all the time and Mm -hmm. But we are a group of like-minded women. We may look different. We may come from different um, backgrounds, from different kind of career paths. It's it's an eclectic group of women. Um, but I love what one of the women said, you're one, and said, there's finally a place for all of us. Yes. And there is. We, we just come together. We believe that as a body of Christ, we come together. Um, this is where we can leave those kind of differences that you may chat about on Facebook. You leave those at the door. We're not, we're not doing that here. This is a place where when you walk through that door and you see, um, Sharon at our registration table with her just, oh my goodness, gracious, um, gracious, gracious welcome. You should feel like you probably are going to feel like you're coming to a friend's house where you know some some hard things are going to be talked about that you're probably you might cry a little bit you might not you know you, you might not have unlocked that yet and that's okay i like to say man i, I got like one therapy session too many because now i cry a lot <laughs> so so we're gonna we're gonna have to undo a little bit of that but um but you're gonna have some hard conversation you're gonna you're gonna have some some laughter but when you leave you're gonna know that you were loved well, that's the thing, because you know, people uh, at times like, "What? What is Grace Story Conference? What is it like?" It's so hard to describe it because the format, of course, is not like any other. The way it happens with right. storytellers, and then followed up by professional counselors mm-hmm. or uh, you know, masters level instructors, um, experts in their field to give you tools for your tool bag based yep. on what you just connected with. For someone yeah, because we don't want to just open you up with a story. So no. many times you go to a, a conference um, or a retreat, and somebody shares their story, and you're you're open and broken and saying, "Oh my goodness, me too," and 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 then you go home and you're like, you're kind of raw around that, and you're back to the same stuff, and, and you still like don't cycle. know what to do about it. And so we follow those sessions up with, "Here is a counselor in the moment." to give us some hands-on practical tools that we can put into place right now. Who's going to explain what was going on in that situation so we have some better understanding around it. There's always that that professional aspect that follows up the story so we know what to do about it and, and it gives not just the openness and the rawness, but the empowerment that goes with it. 
to but, do something about it. And that's the thing about the conference. It's not that we're, we, we have a ton of fun there, uh, yeah. but it's not just fun. It's, it's, it's something that is meaningful yeah. and it's something that is life changing. Every aspect of conferences has so much thought behind it um, be, from our team. And even the Friday night, some people think that's a wild card um, with Anita Renfro is coming, professional Christian comedian. And um, you can see some of her content on YouTube. She's just great. She's, she is an excellent speaker, um, great sense of humor, musician, and she's going to join us for Friday evening. That is intentional. So one thing we like to do with conference is model what this journey looks like. And so we're going to go in, we're going to talk about some hard stuff, and then we're going to come out of it and we're going to laugh together. Because if you don't have moments in the journey of taking that break and balance, having that breath, balance, yeah. yeah, it becomes too overwhelming and you can tend to give up. Well, there's more emotions than just anger, sadness, rage, yes. depression. That I mean, there it, there just happens to also be happiness, joy, uh, passion, abundance. Yes, and and that is truly. I mean, when we go to try to, why are we doing this? It's because we want to feel those, right? I mean, we expect to feel the what we would consider negative feelings, but there's part of us that wants to wake up the side of us that can feel the joy and abundance and gratefulness. Um, again. And it, when you've gone years with having shut down to the point that you don't feel the sorrow, you're also, you have also shut down the joy. Well, and part of that is just self-care. Uh, and we have the self-care vendor market, and that is not, you know, some self-help book section or right. something. And it's not about, oh, me, what all about me, me, me. So we've talked about that in the past, yeah. but self-care is very important for every human being to live life. I hope people out there do the self-care of brushing your teeth. Uh, you know, the self-care. <laughs> don't of, consider that selfish. Be a friend, brush yeah. your teeth. So there's lots of things, but what was, what are some of the things in the self-care vendor market this, this year that you're excited for? Yeah. Um, so the, the idea behind self-care vendor market was always this idea of um, reteaching what is self-care. It's not only massages and spa products and all of that kind of thing, um, shopping therapy. It is also um, finding the things that you need for practical ways. So consulting a counselor, they're there. Um, different times we've had other consultants, financial, uh, we've looked for lawyers before to people that hospice workers, people that can be there to just answer your questions about, you know, practical problems that you might have that you need answers to. Um, one, one exciting part that is changing up this year is our art corner. And we've had place for people to go and just kind of, um, quietly have a space to just get away and, and just, you know black marker and scribble and you know i i hate life scribble it out now wow. i feel joy and <laughs> draw with bright colors not really but um this year we actually have an artist coming in who is doing a guided painting and that is going to be a lot of fun during the saturday lunch break and just some of these kind of fun things that we get to add in well now i thought it would have been that there's a great story podcast booth but uh, the, <laughs> there is going to be a great story there is going to be booth. that there as well and over there we're going to have the opportunity for you to actually be on the show 
in the intros if you would like. So make sure at conference if you're coming, uh, if you're not coming, go ahead and go get your 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 ticket uh, registration yep. squared away. Um, but make sure you stop by the Grace Story podcast booth. My mother-in-law, uh, Beth Watts, is going to be. Isn't she so fun? Yeah, I she's mean, fantastic. she's like so full of life, and yeah, get used to a hug because you know she's great hugger and and she's going to walk you through uh you know how to kind of record a little bit i'll be there from time to time because i'm going to be up on the side stage too but uh, we're going to get some of you guys on this podcast and you'll hear your voice on here in the future that'll be so much fun um okay we are basically out of time the last thing i want to tell people to do uh, we talked about that community go over to facebook uh, search in the search bar, Grace Story, all one word, community. There are a couple questions, and we have some people waiting in our queue that have requested to join but haven't put in their email address and answered the one yeah. question of, I will abide by the rules that keep this community safe. We treasure and yes. protect that community. Um, so it's very important to us that we know who you are, validated by a, a, an email address, because yep. I don't know if anybody's ever been bamboozled on Facebook <laughs> with a hacked account, but you put in that email address, we connect with you, we know who you are, we know you are who you say you are, yep. and then you click, yes, I agree to abide by the rules of this community that keeps the community safe. And it's remained uh, such a tight knit group. Uh, mm -hmm. People come up for air. There's some people in there not ready to interact just yet. That's just fine. There's encouragement in there. Uh, there's journal prompts in there. There is Heidi Weatherall, our prayer coordinator, uh, putting prayer requests out and and praying for each one of uh, those in the group. Um, Amber's posting. Uh, Scott Schneider, one uh, a licensed counselor, is posting. Ryan, a licensed counselor, is posting. Sonia Vernon's in there. All all these people are in there, um, and it's a good, great community where everyone is actually on, uh, is civil uh, because we abide by the rules. So go over there yeah. and search for that um, and join that community. Just make sure you answer those questions so we can get you in there. Um, Amber, anything else you want to say before we do the outro and I tell people to come back in two weeks for more? Nate, I, I one of the things that I just want to make sure that everybody hears, and we've covered a broad range, which we we do when we're together, and we just you know we have good conversation. Um, but I, I hope that what you've heard throughout, uh, weaved throughout this this episode, is that there is hope. You are not stuck, and it can feel like you're stuck. It can feel like, well, I've been to a counselor. And I've talked my story to death and I still feel broken. You know what? Get a new counselor. I've been through five, um, you know, and each one helped me in a different way. And, and they're people too. And so there's different seasons. So if you feel stuck, um, take a look at, at what part of this feels like maybe you've lost hope um, or that, that maybe it's, it's worth just giving up because it's just too hard um, and, and reach out to us. Um, I really hope that you know we are here for you. You are the reason we dedicate um, our time and our energy and volunteer to be here because we are part of this journey with you. It isn't just um, we've arrived and so we're, we want to make sure everybody gets here too. It's us with you on this journey and maybe we're a few steps ahead and we've found a few tools that have helped and we've found some people that, that have helped us and some resources, but it is us together on this journey 
And if you're feeling stuck today, reach out. Amber at GraceStoryMinistries.com is mine. And um, there's also right there on the Grace Story Ministries website, there's always a place where you can contact us and, um, and it'll go to the group. So please, please reach out. I love it. Uh, okay. Usually I like just having one call to action, which is share this episode. But of course, our, our, our founder and president is on. So we have, we get out your post-it note. We have a list. All right. You go to Instagram, win that hoodie. Okay. This is serious business. The person who wins, this is going to be the first hoodie out there. You have claims to number one. You were the first person to own one. Go join that Facebook community, great story community on Facebook. Uh, answer those questions. Let's get you in there and have you a part of that group. Uh, registration for the conference. It's coming up fast, November 5th and 6th. Get that squared away over there at greatstoryministries.com. Uh, use one of our promo codes for the end of October, uh, podcast 25, uh, save 25%, uh, you know, and use that 25% towards your, your hotel or lunch or something like that. <coughs> Make sure you share this episode. If you like something you're hearing, uh, if if uh, something resonated with you, uh, share it. We're, we're on Facebook. You can just go over to the Grace Story Podcast uh, Facebook page and you can share the episodes right from there. They're all on Facebook. Uh, we're also everywhere you listen to episodes. We're, we're you know on the platform you're listening to right now. Um, and then uh, share your story. I'm serious. Um, send in your story. You can keep it anonymous of something, maybe a way that Grace Story Ministries has helped you, something about the conference coming up, because uh, we have one more episode coming up before conference. And, and if someone emails me how uh, at Nate at GraceStoryMinistries.com, how the conference helped you, and you want people listening in to be like, hey, I want to go to conference because of what she said, uh, then send me that story. I can keep it anonymous or put your name in there um, and we'll get it on the show next time. Um, I think that's it. That's a mouthful, um, but we'll be back in two weeks as always. Um, until then, I hope that you'll continue on your journey of restoration. Uh, I like to say it, there's no us without you. I hope you'll be at conference. I hope you'll be here in two weeks for another episode. Until then, We'll be praying for you on your journey of restoration. See you next time.